confession of sin is something that is, I think, underrated and actually incredibly powerful uh, in the Christian life. For Methodism, the, this practice is rooted in uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, which says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Uh, and so the foundation for why we should confess sin and why confession of sin is powerful is not to make each other feel bad, it's not a way of kind of beating ourselves up, but it's for the sake of healing, for the sake of, of wholeness, of holiness. Uh, there's actually deep rootedness within Christianity in this practice. And so in the very early church, long before there were Methodists roaming the earth, um, the church had, on the one hand, a really strong optimism that a baptized Christian need not sin. But they also had a pastoral concern for what do we do with someone who is um, a baptized Christian and commits a serious sin, the kind that can't just be atoned for or, or where the person can't find a sense of forgiveness just through private prayer. And so in the early church, there was the development of the practice of penance. And in the practice of penance, um, in the early church, it was public. So your, your sin would be confessed publicly to the church, and everyone would have a sense that you were a penitent. Uh, the priest would assign a particular penance, which oftentimes for serious sins was a period of years, not just something that was, was short and, and brief, but something that was very serious and of long duration. And then after that penance was completed, you would be reconciled fully into the church. And during this period of time when you were penitent, you actually wouldn't receive the Eucharist. You would, you would be sort of set apart from the Eucharist as an expression of not being fully reconciled to God. This was so important and sin for Christians was taken so seriously that it actually was not repeatable. It was a one-time kind of concession to serious sin that was available to baptized Christians. This changed in, in the Roman Catholic tradition uh, in the Middle Ages when basically the Fourth Lateran Council made uh, yearly confession a, a requirement and also combined confession became private and reconciliation was given at the same time that confession happened. So you would confess to the priest privately, the priest would give you a sign of penance for you to do, and then pronounce your reconciliation, assuming that you would enact the penance. So there were really big changes. What I think is really important about thinking about confession now, aside from the fact that this is a deep practice that, that goes through um, the Christian tradition, is, is first of all that it's embodied. Right, that I think that oftentimes Christians struggle to find a deep sense of forgiveness, to find a kind of renewed start, a release from sin, because they're praying about what, something that they've done that they feel guilt about uh, privately. They're just talking to God about it, and it's hard for them to kind of break through in that context. And there's something about telling another person what you've done, or a group of people what you've done, that is helps you to kind of come into contact with the reality of what you've done and actually to feel a deeper sense of remorse and repentance for what you've done. And that that then helps you paradoxically, the sort of deeper, more genuine repentance helps a person to be able to find then freedom and forgiveness, particularly because forgiveness is then mediated through or spoken by another person with skin on. So um, in in band meetings that I've been a part of where we confess sin, people would often um, say after the person had finished their confession and, and the group had had a chance to talk about it, people would often say something like from John, 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins to one another, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our trespasses. 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And every time I heard those words from someone, no matter what it was that I had said, there was just a, a real kind of physical sense in which a weight had been lifted from me, and I felt a freedom to, to begin again, to move forward. So it can be really hard to tell the truth about what we've done. Um, it can even be painful. But the reason that it's painful isn't because we're telling the truth, it's because of what we've already done. Um, and that, that the only way to move forward is by telling the truth, by being honest, by repenting. This makes particular sense for Wesleyans because we have an audacious optimism of the power of what God's grace is able to do in this life. We believe in the possibility of entire sanctification. And so we confess sin because there's an optimism that, that this isn't where we need to be, this isn't where we should be. So we can tell the truth, we can ask to be forgiven, because we have this vision, this hope, this belief, this yearning for complete freedom from all that binds us in this life, all that chains us to things that are not of God, that we can be freed from them and we can be uh, able to love God fully and to love our neighbors perfectly. Confession of sin is something that I think is often scary to people. It often feels like a burden that I don't know that I want to take on is my sense that people have. Um, but what I would hope that, that, that the church could try to shift to is that, that confession of sin matters because it's the opportunity to help people experience freedom from sin. That's the goal. And I think that's something to be extremely excited about, right? That if somebody is, is in, in a prison of their own making because of things that they've done in the past, that confession was developed in the very early church and was kind of retraditioned in the Wesleyan tradition through the band meeting, through this, because there was a concern that we want to make people able to experience again this freedom from sin, that we believe that this is not where God wants them to be. God didn't want the person to have done what kind of has them in this prison again, but because God is so gracious, God is so loving, right, that, that God is also standing ready to forgive, standing ready to help the person to turn away from what has happened and to turn back to complete freedom in Christ so that they can love God and neighbor again perfectly. And so where are the people, you know, in, in our communities who need to experience this kind of freedom? We, Wesleyan Christians should be the people who are known for helping people to be freed from the power of sin in their lives, to find new life, to find release. That's who we should be. That's who we should be known for. Uh, and so may it be so.